0: To Invisible Not Broken Podcast. I'm Monica. I have disability and chronic illness and invisible illness. So I have eller stainless pots, fibromyalgia, and you know, a whole host of other wonderful things.
1: Hey y'all, I'm Eva. I'm a fiber fighter, entrepreneur, weirdo about town who says whatever's on her mind. On this podcast, Monica and I talk about the off-the-rails roller coaster ride that is life with. Invisible Chronic Illness. Yes, sometimes it'll just be us. Sometimes we're going to have a special guest.
0: We're going to cover different parts of chronic illness, either in pop culture or whatever's just on our mind. If you would like to be a little bit more a part of things, head over to our Facebook group. Uh, You can always find us at Invisible Not Broken. Now
1: let's dive into the episode. So... Fear and it's, chronic illness? So yeah, my chronic illness. So this morning, I got up and took a walk because they make me happy. And it's sunny outside. And when you live in Rochester, New York, if there's sun, you take advantage of it. And like, I don't know, a few feet in, my left knee subluxes. I guess that's the right word, right? Subluxes. Yep. For some reason I didn't know that word before. I I would just say like not fully dislocated. I didn't know that's there was a the word. Phrasing it. <laughs> <Not> dislocated. <laughs> yeah, so it was subluxing pretty hardcore. And so what I normally do is, you know, I just kinda kick back and forth, like move the yeah. joint until it just slides back in place, right? And that's pretty standard, but this was insult to injury in that the last, let's say, a week to two weeks could be longer, but maybe I'm just noticing it has been the worst joint pain and uh, number of subluxations ever, and not dealing with it very well. How do you and feel I, like you should be dealing with it? It's 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 hard right with with pain it's all relative not just like the one to ten scale but also like what's quote-unquote bad and what's quote-unquote not a not a big deal right so for me in my life I don't sublux all the time I don't have joint pain all the time I have some sort of fibro pain going on all the time and of Mm -hmm. course with hypermobility and fibro there's overlaps that I still don't Really understand but this has been a lot of specific joint pain like there's always a joint hurting or Shifting and that has not been the case for me in the past. It was always just like an event Usually something once a day, but now it's been like all the time and That's naturally making my fibro flare up more so there's always definite throbbing burning achy stuff going on in different places and it's just, it's just up a notch, it, uh, maybe a big notch. So what's bigger than a notch?
0: <laughs> what's bigger than... I feel like I'm doing an Alice in Wonderland thing. Like, how is a raven like a writing desk?
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, it's not exactly like I'm in mean, a a pain all of a sudden. It's more that I've become very hyper-aware of the progression all of a sudden. And I think that's what's freaking me the fuck out. It's not so much the pain itself although I'm really not a fan of the frequency and intensity of what it's been but the fact that it is progressing faster than it was and I'm only 30 and I have a lot of life I want to live and hear that yeah and I know a lot of people are probably thinking, like, I don't know i hate doing this but thinking like oh boohoo like you're having some subluxations and more pain but you know for my world and the abilities that i plan on having uh the the world in which eva lives in this is shaking me up and so yeah okay
0: and- so what do you see as like what's the end thing that you feel like you're not going to be able to do if this continues of this progression
1: well, okay, so I'll actually I'll open up about something, uh, a dream I had. I mean you could
0: th- choose to not post this. We could just talk. I mean it's up to you.
1: I'm I'm just talking. We can we we can do whatever. That's the thing I like about this podcast. Whether or not we post this, I don't mind being open about it. In fact, if I if I'm not going to, who is going to? So <laughs> that's the whole point of the
0: podcast, right. but I don't want to put you back. on the spot. Yeah. I mean, we're friends before we're partners.
1: Yeah. So, you know me well, Veronica. So, let's see. So the other day, this like a week ago, this is not a dream. This actually happened. I'm at my friend's house. We're having dinner together. And I go to their fridge to get them something. And my left knee subluxes in a way that's more painful than usual. It just like kind of... I think it hyperextended at the same time and it was like a really sharp pain it was like dagger in the knee kind of pain and I was like oh my god oh my god someone get me a chair like they had to bring over the chair to the fridge so I could sit down and you know I try to laugh it off a bit I try to get up a couple times no that's not working uh finally I slip it back in and it's amazing there's no pain like right like it's fine and I walk, I walk up and down their hall for a while and I'm like, okay, I'm good. Fast forward to a couple days later and you and I, Monica, and I have been having these conversations about EDS and like what it looked like for you at my age and maybe how to prepare for it. Anyway, so I have this dream that I'm back in that exact same scenario, but my knee dislocates completely. And I'm on the floor crying, saying, This is it. My life is over as I know it. I have Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. And (laughs) I know I feel terrible saying it, but like it it was just really hard in the dream because I thought about all the things that I really want to do and how they're going to be so much harder. And that, that, that this is probably the future I'm walking into, whether it's EDS or just I have hypermobile joints and they're gonna get worse. I don't really know where the line is, honestly. Like I told you, I want to hike in the Adirondacks this this summer, and I loved your answer was like put on some of that. I forgot what that tape is called. Put that IT tape. Yeah and you know get yourself a good cane and you can do it and i was like i love it i love the way i didn't say you could do it, do <laughs> it. i
0: said if you were going to do it please get bracing painkillers and some walking sticks and a good exit plan yes <laughs> I, actually, I did not can. say you can you i said if you're
1: going to there's a difference good point it's a good point uh, i actually brought it up with my mom and she said aren't there walking sticks that can open up into chairs Mm-hmm. said you should just have one of those so like you need to sit there you go I mean you could also just sit on the ground but whatever no you can't no <laughs> you
0: freaking can't because when you get back that's when your knee pops out
1: oh, see yeah. yeah I just like I grew up as a ballet dancer and I recognize that I can't really do that anymore and I did try a lot this year actually I took a class and took it slow but the idea of not being able to hike like just whether or not that's actually true it just threw me I was like holy shit like I can't even hike anymore I can't. Which to me sounds like walking a bit more difficult yeah okay. walking less. no I, I actually like legit hiking like you know all fours if need be it's the going down the going down is the bitch can't mess with gravity in my joints <laughs> yeah so it's I'm just having one of those days where it's just kind of hit me that I have to deal with this on a different level. I've always known I've had a chronic illness. I knew it was going to get worse. I deal with pain on a daily basis, but I think I just, it's like that reality check that we all get from something in our lives, right? i <laughs>
0: I'm gonna I, I, mangle this, but Mark Twain said something to the effect of "comparison is the, the root of grief." Like, because you know, like what you're saying is like I shouldn't be saying this because you're worse. And our listeners, there's so many of our listeners who are so much worse. And what am I doing, whining that I can't complain? It's like you get to, all of us get to, because it's about comparison. You had an idea of what your life was going to be like, and for how long it's going to be like that, and that was what you're expecting and those expectations aren't being met right now and realigning your expectations to what your reality is is a fucking painful process that's brutal and it's because you were expecting like your idea of what this was going like was maybe at 40 things will start degrading I've got like a decade basically of like I get to live I get to hike I get to with some pain I will I can push through all of that and I could I can bootstrap this disorder (laughs) like I've got this and I'll have my babies and I will travel the world and and then when I'm 40 maybe things will start falling apart a bit but you know with 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 bootstrapping bootstrapping. I I can do this and I get that and I'm not laughing at you I'm laughing at the old me because the old me was there and I get that. And I'm not saying you're going to be like me. I'm certainly not saying that. I'm just saying that I know in my journey, that's where I was at your age. And I put myself through a lot of hell and a lot of grief, which is why I have a clinical allergy to self-help books and the, if you just people, because I tried all, all, all of it, the diets, the not like the losing weight diets, but the remove everything diet, the, if I just exercise properly, I get strong enough. If I just meditated if i just yoga i could yoga my way out of this god damn it like (laughs) i can deny and exercise my way out of this was basically my, my mindset and i get it that's been one of the most painful things i've had to go through is realigning what my body will allow me to do with what i wanted to do and what i expected to do
1: yeah and don't get me wrong i absolutely am because this is the way i am i absolutely will be trying everything and, you know, I come from a, I never put it this way, but like a holistic health background as in I'm a nutrition scientist, right? And I also am a personal trainer and I've, I've engaged in many different therapies, like things around stress reduction and what you put in your body and what you do with your body. And they absolutely have kept me afloat up until this moment. And they will continue to just less so. like. I have officially stopped eating gluten and dairy, even though wine, bread, and cheese is like my favorite thing in the whole goddamn world because when I eat them, I'm significantly worse. And I've stopped denying it and stopped saying like, oh, it's not that bad because what I'm experiencing today, for instance, like "Mm, it's not worth it. So I do know that taking care of my body will be helpful to what extent, you know, it's hard to say. Make a good
0: point that there are things you can do that can be helpful. And then there's I there's been a point in my own journey where helpful wasn't enough to offset the joy. And what I mean by that is like, yeah, if I did certain things, I could feel better in certain joints, but other joints were still dislocating. And I was I was moving from a pain level of like nine and a half to a nine. It wasn't Mm -hmm. enough for me to say no to some of the things that actually brought me some joy. And that's just my personal you know your spot in that, and I don't know where you are in that or where you you might get to, but
1: yeah, so
0: I know we're very different in our seeking
1: <laughs> how we, how we, yeah, like I really am a person with a maybe an annoyingly positive mindset, and I've always been that way, like even when i was I went through a situational depression, what was it like seven, eight years ago now? And I was legit depressed and somehow I was still, this is maybe the difference between me having situational depression and clinical depression, I'm not sure, but I, you know, had no drive to do anything. I was miserable to my core, but I went on dates all the time. I moved to New York city. I got a job. Are we sure
0: that I, dating wasn't what was causing the depression? I feel like dating caused it, <laughs> I
1: mean, yeah. it, it It didn't help. I mean, it was frozen gone because I liked people. So I liked meeting people and I was pretty good at dating, but it also was, a terrible thing to do at the same time because it was kind of like an addiction damn online dating but I met my husband anyway I digress um, so but it's just an example of how like I'm always a positive proactive person even in the face of pain and I will continue to be that way and actually if I see that slipping that is something that I really have to hold on to that's that's my way of being and maybe that's something I can also prepare for now and what I mean by prepare for is like, how am I going to be that positive person when shit's 10 times worse than it is now?
0: I just want to throw something out there and I don't, I hope I say it correctly because you know I have the highest level of love and respect for you. I'm just speaking as like big sister, older person who's been through all of this and the positive thing. You know, I, I, my, my therapist told me I was the highest functioning depressive he had ever met. I've right. I, I got that. I understand. I'm just saying one of the things to be really careful about is optimism and being the good, bubbly person gets, that gets put up on a pedestal. And I know I held on to it and it ended up biting me. And that's not to say I'm not positive. Oh, crying out loud. That's not to say I'm not positive. It's not to say that I'm not, you know, someone who tries to see the bright side, but that can get toxic. And if it's not serving you, it's okay to grieve it's okay to not be positive about this all the time. It's okay to honor everything you're feeling, all of it. And to allow that, that in it's saying, I'm the only reason I'm saying it is like, literally advice is what you wish someone had given you or you wish you had listened to when you were doing That's all I'm doing right here is I'm right now in the middle of everyone talking to me about grieving and yeah. realizing I didn't grieve, realizing that I never took the time to, to grieve because I was trying to be positive. I was trying to be likable. I was trying to keep the friends who still stayed. I was trying to justify why the friends left shouldn't have left. I was, I was trying to, to be something that was still worthwhile. And I thought that the positive was the key to that. And I'm not saying that's you. I'm just saying like in my world, that's that, that can bite you and you just make sure that what's serving you doesn't end up
1: killing you. Yeah, I, I agree with that completely. And, and even though I am a generally positive person, I definitely am not all the time. It's one of the reasons I texted you today. And I was like, I think we should record something because I feel like shit. And I think we need to talk
0: about it. I'm all for (laughs) it. I mean, I like I go on Instagram live all the time just because like, I feel like shit and I'm lonely as hell. Yeah. and It's like, I just, you know, like, you, you said you were scared. and I was like, that's why we're scared about two different things right now. But yeah, I was terrified this weekend because we thought I had an appendicitis and I couldn't right. go to the doctor. And it was like, so I just self diagnose myself all weekend and just keep watching my temperature to make sure that I didn't burst my appendix and then have to have a more major surgery. But like, fear is such like an intense part of chronic illness. And I think we're, we're all rushing to accept it. We're rushing to live the spoony best life and all this bullshit of like, positivity and it can get so toxic because there's a lot we're scared about. We are scared about our finances. We're scared about losing the small things we have. We are always grasping at sand as the tide goes out.
1: Like mm-hmm. there's so much we're scared of. So I actually don't see it as there's definitely toxic positivity out there. Let me just say that. That definitely exists. But when I think about positivity, I mean it the what you aim like that's what you always aim for and hopefully that's your general but that's what you criticism. aim for I aim for being a sarcastic bitch
0: <laughs> don't put that on uh, me Uh uh-uh. so as I as aim as for drag as... queen level sarcasm I aim for that level of tea and shade like give me Bob the drag queen give me Bianca del Rio like give me the sarcastic snarky bitches
1: okay so some <laughs> every stop I mean yourself, if, with positivity is because I mean, talk to my husband and my friends. I'm definitely not always miss positive. I do try to be positive when others are not, unless they really need me to shut the fuck up, which I will do. Because <laughs> sometimes they're like, okay, no, I, this is not what I need right now. I don't need your your happiness or your positive outlook. Just you know, as you, as I tell my husband to the knock the
0: Pollyanna night. off. I'm like, stop the Pollyanna.
1: <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, I'm not. I don't see myself in the future because I haven't been like this until now being someone who's just like, what's the positive way to look at this always because sometimes you just need to complain and wallow and be, be present with, well, the pain, the emotional and the physical pain. And sometimes I enjoy that. Actually, I enjoy that a little bit more than uh care to mention, but that's usually on an emotional side. We'll get into it now, but. We can. What, are, what else are we here for? I'm a bit I'm a bit of a masochist sometimes.
0: <laughs> and there's a certain lovely maudlinness of like the Victorian like on the painting couch, just give me all of Netflix and let me just wallow.
1: Whoa, yeah, it's kinda like that.
0: Yeah, no, I'm there. I'm here. For that. Why like do you think that. I
1: finished Netflix? Like I am done with Netflix right now. <laughs> So this wasn't in terms of chronic pain, although I probably have seen something for that reason. Oh, I do with ballet, getting off topic. So other that ballet aside, I've had two, I guess, traumas in my life. And when I say trauma, I mean like, things that have clearly impacted me for the, will impact me for the rest of my life. And like they have manifested in in pain and nightmares and all sorts of things. One of them was ballet and the other one was my reaction to a breakup, and which led to at least a two-year depression. And I got so comfortable in that space of being depressed and heartbroken, and really hating myself, that's really what that was, <laughs> that even when I'm happy and in love, like, I mean, I'm still happy and in love, but like even really early in my relationship with Dev and everything was fantastic, I would watch I would want to watch these movies and look back at pictures and all this stuff that would make me feel terrible <laughs> and I actually talked to my husband about it one day because we're very open and I admitted to him like sometimes I just like to watch these sad movies about heartbreak and wallow and he said there is comfort in what's familiar
0: it's part of the human experience. Like it's part of our human experience. Like Inside Out did a great job of this, that that, uh Disney Pixar movie where (laughs) there's like the beautiful happy memories and then they get tinged with sadness and there's you know, sweet and sour. It it highlights it highlights being alive and you know there there's that tang. There's that uh I forget the right word for it, but you know, there's that there's something beautiful in, in that that is part of the human experience.
1: Yeah. It is. I I think it's really creepy if people and nonsensical people act like they're happy all the time and don't embrace pain. I just at least on that front when it comes to romantic the romantic related pain, uh there I don't really see any purpose in that. It's like any lessons that I needed to learn from that, they've been learned. So I definitely right, still. My little
0: niece is like texting me. My poor little niece is like, talk to me, and I'm like, I can't talk to you right now. I will talk to you when I'm done. Stop.
1: <laughs> my niece.
0: Uh, yeah, Auntie, Mommy, <laughs> wrangler of teenagers. <laughs> yes. Oh. I think that the problem is like I don't. Whatever someone is doing with their life, and if it makes you get through the deep dark, cheers, mothel talk philosophy. I bow down as long as you don't take me with you. Like I, I don't mind if you know you need to feel positive all the time. I'm just going to warn: watch out for it biting you. But if you turn to me and you tell me I need to be positive and I'm making myself sick because I'm not positive, then we have an issue. Then we're into the goop territory. Yeah. We're into that. Danielle LaPorte territory, or who was the one who just ran for president? Oh, for crying out loud. Marianne, oh, it's not going to come to me. She ran for, the, like, what you remember the Democratic stage was, like, 30 people, and you're like, yeah, what the actual? <laughs> one of them was one of those self-help guru people, and, like. I actually don't know. That. <laughs> I, so anyway, um, it's, there's a whole group of people who are out there making money, On, you need to be positive, or else you'll be sick. And it's that special brand of blaming the sick person. Like you would be better if, if you only. Yeah. Yeah. And that that can lead into what you were just talking about about the need to to have that maudlin moment. They feed on that. They absolutely. That's that's their into the chronic illness community is that that self degradation that I deserve to be sick because I didn't.
1: I think I find positivity more than anything in actually being real so maybe positivity isn't the right word so for instance I decided to call my podcast segment uh human care not like positive health care right like I really want to focus on conversations and ideas and stories around what it means to be human and for some reason being vulnerable about being human uh that is positive to me okay so be vulnerable what are you
0: scared of you're scared right now what is it that your life could look like worst case scenario that frightens you the most
1: a really good question that I haven't asked myself um that I am not capable of living an independent life and when I say independent I don't mean like literally because I hope to always have my husband I hope to have kids but I mean having a life that isn't just them because I respect I respect any person that you know, does what they want to do. So if they want to be a stay-at-home parent, that's wonderful. It's just not something I ever saw myself being. I always wanted to create something for this world that wasn't just my kids. And some people may say that I'm a not going to be a good mom for that reason. Everyone has weird opinions on that shit. But no, I want to bring something to this world that isn't just my kids. And I know I haven't had my kids yet, so who knows? Maybe I'll disagree. I, I don't know yet uh but when so this may make you vomit but like on almost a daily basis i journal and low
0: bar right now by the way i mean like me vomiting is like low bar
1: we, are, we are vomiting a lot these days i'm um, sorry
0: okay, oh my god
1: roll your eyes or whatever but that's so i journal on a regular basis and something i try to do is write Why my. do you m-
0: think I would roll my eyes for journaling. I eye
1: journal. journal. <laughs> <laughs> I usually will write down like my mission statements in regards to my, my health, my work life, and my, let's say, social life or relationships. Mm-hmm. And my one for my health is to be, to have the energy and capabilities to live the life I want to and impact. impact others
0: okay um, So what does that look like that that your body is necessary
1: to create that i mean i guess as long as i have a mind i can do that technically I'm just i just asking,
0: like what is it that you feel that you won't be able to accomplish if your body gets to and i'm asking that because the thing that scared me the most was a wheelchair so i fought tooth and nail for six years to stay out of a wheelchair because i thought my life was over with a wheelchair and then I got in a wheelchair, I was like, I wish I had done this so much earlier, I would have actually been able to be more in the world, I would have been able to do so many more things if I had just embraced my limitations earlier. And once I understood my limitations, I could have hit a fence that was much further off the limitations I had set up for myself to look healthy. So I'm just asking, like, what is it that you want to do in the world that you need your legs to not supplicate
1: that you need to happen?
0: traveling okay so you know a lot of us travel with wheelchairs yeah
1: yeah and I know that's so like as we're talking and I'm thinking about all the things I can't do or, or sorry I like somewhere in my mind I think I can't do I'm like wait but I know lots of people that do all of these things I've and in being part of this world this invisible not broken world well it's world I have seen everything I've seen people who have nothing do everything people who don't have any limbs or like can't see or speak or like like I've just I've seen everything yeah but I mean the thing that's
0: scary about the do everything is it's not as easy so if you're traveling with a wheelchair you have to then think is the cab that's going to take me from the airport wheelchair accessible will the train that takes me from the airport be saying I can get my wheelchair like there's a lot more complications I'm just saying that I I hear your fears I I just
1: doing stuff with my I can't I don't know enough about what it's going to be like with kids but I'm I know exhausting
0: yeah exactly like Like, it's exhausting
1: to have children period and I'm gonna have them with uh chronic pain loose joints brain fog fatigue I these days I don't know what happened all of a sudden but any day I put on an alarm now I have brain fog that's a low bar i have to just luckily i at this point right now i can wake up without an alarm i try not to hate myself for being like lazy or whatever but but it's working <laughs> so the bars you set for yourself dear god woman there are
0: like olympic jumpers that would look at that bar going nope <laughs> you know when we have chronic illness we're not supposed to set the bar higher right like that's, no i got so we're supposed to be doing
1: I got a problem monica
0: I yeah, have, you think. <laughs> well, I'm I, teasing you because I do the same thing. If I hit ground zero with my pain, I force myself to do my physical therapy just to prove that no matter how bad it gets, I still can do the thing. So I I'm teasing you because I'm teasing myself. I do the same shit.
1: Yeah. I just always wanted to be I always hate saying this out loud, but I realized it like a year ago that I have the need to be extraordinary.
0: Mhm.
1: And that's just a ridiculous thing for anyone to aim for. That is not what one should aim for in life. Obviously, I want to do so being of service to people. But now I think so. I know it's not that specific. It's not like a wheelchair. But I think it's this general idea of not only are you not going to be exceptional, you're going to be below average. And that terrifies the living daylights out of me.
0: I mean, if anything highlights how much ableism gets into our bloodstream, I think what you just said is like the ground zero for how ableism in our world has like absolutely integrated the souls of all of us.
1: It's terrible.
0: That like if we are, and that, and I, I am not, please understand everything you just said, I have felt, I have thought. It's why I stayed out of a wheelchair for so long. That I thought I would be less than that I would be damaged, that I would, like, I went through all those feelings, I fought so hard to stay out of a wheelchair, and it wasn't some, and that's the problem, is we've put this idea that this fight against the mobility aids is somehow noble, that it's not a personal, like, this is a noble thing that this person fought for a year, so they could walk down the aisle in their wedding, you know, that's what kills me, it's like, fine, you personally want to do that, cheers, but as a society, all of us Like cheering someone on because they put themselves through tremendous levels of agony
1: and pain
0: to walk down an aisle instead of widening the aisle and using their wheelchair so they could enjoy the moment (laughs) and be present in it instead of like, you know, like we put so much pressure on ourselves and others to work really hard at hiding or mitigating their disability as if
1: our disability is giving up, as if visualization of our disability is giving up.
0: And I mean, however, you want to fight this, you know I'm behind you. I, I will support you 120%. I'm just saying this has been my struggle. This is what I've watched other people struggle with. And this is how society has taught us to hate ourselves.
1: Yeah, I definitely see that. And I am never someone to be fake. That is something I always promise myself. Again, going back to the idea of. Being human in whatever ways one needs to be human. I, it's it's interesting how I actually don't ever have a problem being vulnerable, and in fact, I I like it. uh that's why I, I'm good with doing a podcast about it. This is why we like Mrs. mazel
0: like how she was like, I have this weird need to get up on a crowd and tell everyone everything.
1: It's a compulsion. Like, yes, definitely something I have, or listen to other people do it and then chime in, <laughs> whatever. But I I really really love that. I remember if there was a butt coming here. What was I talking about? Uh, yeah. We just need to name
0: our podcast "Two Women with Brain Fog Trying to Make Sense of a Conversation."
1: What? And there was also something happening the other day. I'm not gonna remember this. Oh, I forgot the word wasabi earlier today for like five minutes. That was annoying. <laughs> But, I just did a
0: two hour <laughs> podcast interview where I was like, words. The word door. Yeah, I think I know what that means.
1: Sure. <laughs> the brain fog, the forgetfulness forget about brain fog actually, because I see different types of brain fog. There's the brain fog I have where it's just like literally the feeling of being drunk without actually the happy part of being drunk. The just I physically that
0: one. I want that one.
1: No, it's not nice. It's just being completely out of it. It's like I can't literally like I can't literally focus or or mentally figuratively fo- focus. Figurative or figuratively focus. Literally and fi- words. No, physically that this is what I meant. I can't physically focus and I can't mentally focus at the same time. So I just feel like I'm in a big cloud. Well or fog, you know, it's called brain fog. <laughs> That's why that has that name. Do you even knot in your hair? What are you doing?
0: i'm telling you the jewish hair problems are real (laughs) i mean i i get dreadlocks by like noon if i don't braid my hair or put it in a bun it's insane it like yeah yeah my dad had like the the 1970s jufra like the full afro in the 70s and my mom has like the super like fine european hair so i got the best of both worlds which means dreadlocks
1: interesting combo oh it's yeah, that's huh. really cute. Uh, so anyway, the other day, someone was talking about how they're forgetting words, or they forgot like a couple words, and it's really scary. And these were signs. It wasn't someone being a hypochondriac. It was like they were older, and it was like a big deal that they were forgetting words. They knew that it was a sign of them getting older, and I was like, "What? That's every day. That's a that's a nothing day for me." I I forgot that what I experience is not normal. That I now I remember what it was. It wasn't a forgetting words. It was mixing them up, saying oh, I do that so stupid thing. Why well, do it all the time? All the time. My I, kids laugh at me so much over that. Like, <laughs> and I don't hear it. I, like a lot of the time I don't hear it. Or I'll just pause afterwards because I have to go back in my mind and go. Did I say what I think I said, or did I say something else? Because I'm not really quite sure. I will often say the exact opposite word of what I mean, which is very odd. I, unfortunately, with directions, will point right and say left. And people I did that I
0: yesterday. I do it a lot. My poor and... husband, he was driving me somewhere, and I was like, you need to make a right hand turn here. He starts going over like, what the fuck are you doing? He's like, you... like oh, no, I meant left. How did you not know I meant
1: left? So, yeah, so the other day, Zev says, right, He he's giving me directions, and he says, right, and he points right, and he saw me hesitate for something else unrelated to direction. I was just looking a little longer at crossing the street than he thought, and he goes, oh, no, I, I said, like, you have, you have to go left, and I said, I know what way left is, and he goes, well, you know, sometimes it seems like you don't. You say one way, but you mean another, and I said, that's different. I know my right and my left. I just say the opposite thing. But if you tell me which direction to go in, I'll know what direction to go in. There's a difference yeah. between verbal processing and mental processing. I I viscerally feel that one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so that was just a fun conversation.
0: <laughs> I, I swear, like half of chronic illness is like, is this my illness? Am I getting older? Am I distracted? Is this a side effect from my medication?
1: am I dying (laughs) am I dying that's that's what I I, want to tell my father I I think I did try to tell him once because he I don't know where he is with any of this like in believing that I have anything understanding what I'm going through I really think he doesn't and I love him with all my heart and soul but he I don't know he can't wrap his head around something that is invisible And my diagnoses are pretty vague, right? I have fibromyalgia and hypermobility syndrome. And because they're diagnosed symptomatically, although you can definitely see things happen in my joints, I think he just has a hard time with it. And also I was a dramatic teenager, blah, blah, blah. So he just thought I was being a drama queen. Anyway. Okay, can um. we just, no,
0: no. I want to just step back because I want to look at dramatic teenager for a second because I feel like we get labeled that way, but we grow up in constant, pain. We grow up with constant low-level abuse that's been like systematically accepted. Like the shit that teenagers go through, like watching my own kids and the stuff they went through, that is not any different than the shit I went through like 30 years before, which should have changed by now. I don't know how they all don't have nervous breakdowns. Like the amount of stress these kids are under, and then we're like, you're so dramatic. It's like, do you see what these kids go through every day? Like
1: This was cool. a lot. I will admit, I was a bit of a drama queen, but with boys, <laughs> like not with other things. They cause a lot of drama. <laughs> we've caused a lot of drama. I caused a lot of drama with boys too. Like I fully admit it. I had a high school sweetheart, God bless him, he's like one of my best friends now. But we were terrible. We were just a big dramatic couple. And so that probably drove my parents up a wall. But the thing is, any drama that I ever created if anything, was about me trying to do things that I probably wasn't able to or ready to do. It was never, oh, woe is me, I can't do this thing, or I'm in pain. Like I just told you that my lifelong dream has been to be extraordinary. Why wouldn't extraordinary, somebody who wants to be extraordinary as a teenager, especially when their head's in the clouds, want to complain about pain and being unable to do things? And he never got that. I don't think my mom did until maybe maybe I was diagnosed with fibro. She started to get it. Now she really gets it, but I don't think my dad does. And it's possible that a lot of my friends don't, they just say they do. It's definitely possible. They know that other a lot of people are like me because they know that I've built kind of a career around it. So they know I'm not alone and not crazy. They know
0: that. I'm lucky that my dad's disabled. So that's been tremendously helpful in his understanding of what I'm dealing with. But dealing with like the rest of the family, they're trying so hard and they really do try. But the words that they say can be so like, I don't know how to take that. Like, you look so great today. It's so nice to see you walking. And I'm like, do you have any idea how painful this is for me right now? (laughs) Like, or you look great. I'm so happy. I was so worried about you. I'm so happy to see you looking so well. And it's like, did I just give up ground by putting on makeup and
1: standing up? Because I feel like I just gave up a lot of ground. God, what what is a nice thing to hear?
0: Such a good question because I do the same shit. I've been guilty of saying the same thing to someone who's sick. Or like, oh, you look great. And I'm like, You, why did you just say that? (laughs) Or I hope you feel better. And I'm like, why did you just say that? um Yeah, I I don't know. Like, for me, like some of the kindest things people have said are, you know, I admire how you're handling this, or God, nothing's coming to mind. I know there's, there's, (laughs) my daughter was actually really incredible about it because I have this weird pathological need to show people my dislocations. And it stems from like years and decades of medical gaslighting where I was told I was not sick. Oh I was not depressed by that at all. Yeah. So I have this pathological need to show people when I dislocate and the dislocations. And I forget how upsetting that is for people, especially ones who love me. And my daughter, I was like, I popped something out so hard and it was so gross and I was like trying to make light about it and she just looked at me and she's like, If you need to show that to me, I understand and I'll look at it. But I don't enjoy this. I'm like, I am so sorry. I will never do that again. She's like, no, no, if you need to, I've got this. Like, okay, I don't know what I did to deserve you. No, I'm not doing this again to you. I'm so sorry. Um, I will work on that. But like, just someone even just acknowledging that maybe I need something weird. Acknowledging that I'm not crazy. Acknowledging how hard. Like, I get pissed at my physical therapist. He's like, you know, you're really deconditioned. I'm like, do you know how I work out more than anyone else? I know I exercise almost an hour a day. Now it's light but it's the best I can do. And I feel like there's no, like, I need the scratch behind the ear. Like you're, I need the scratch. I need the, like, you're trying, you're doing good. I, I see the effort you're putting in. I see how hard you're trying at this. And I really admire that. No, I don't want the, I admire you for sitting up. I admire you. Like, I like, that's like the big line. Like, I don't like inspiration porn. I don't like, people to use me as inspiration porn I like people to minimize my experience or minimize someone else's achievements because I have weird pathological needs but I do appreciate someone acknowledging the work I do I don't I don't appreciate someone acknowledging my existence like the ability to exist like you 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 woke up today yay you did this basic bullshit. Yay, we're so proud of you. It's so inspiring that you like, like are humaning, which granted I can't do all the time. But I mean, I deeply appreciate, you know, you started a podcast that's helped people and pissed off a lot of people apparently, but you did the thing. So that's inspiring. Or you wrote books. That's inspiring. You started businesses. That's inspiring. Like those things. I appreciate that you're inspiring. I get really pissed off by the you hit the bare minimum of human that's super
1: inspiring. Yeah, it's more about the the effort behind it rather than the physical what you've done. That was a
0: lot of rambling to get to I can't think today. I'm really sorry. That was I was hoping eventually I would hit something
1: that was like meaningful and important. I don't think I did. No, you you did for me and it's important for me to hear because I always really want to be sensitive of others' emotions. Now, I recognize that I can't always be, and some people are just going to take things certain ways, but I I do like to say positive things about people. I definitely compliment people a lot, but I always do it genuinely. You should know this, Monica. For the I of I never compliment unless I mean it. I'm not a fake I, complimenter. I feel like debating I think- whether to
0: say this to you or not, but I, I think I will, and I hope it's not a bitchy thing to say, but I will say it anyway. You do seem to in your language, put yourself outside of this community. Like you're always like how you talk, you always talk to the community super respectfully, but you are part of it. And I don't think you've embraced that you are. It, it you You spend a lot of time like trying to not be disabled, trying not to be chronically ill. And I get that. And I totally honor that part of your journey. But I'm just saying like, if you hear yourself, you're always distancing yourself from it. And you're not an advocate for this community without being a part of it. You are a part of this, and I think that might be part of like something to look at in the next few weeks. Is is you're here? It's this is where you're at. There are some limitations. You are in pain. You are chronically
1: ill, and I, I'm always I, I'm saying this because I know that was my big stumbling block. Yeah. I'm sorry. I hope I hope that was the right thing to say. I hope I was definitely the I, right thing to say. It was not me
0: trying to be a bitch. I was not trying to be a bitch with that. I just wanted to like First just point that out to you. Are bitches to me? It's the best thing they could do. Uh, okay, I'm trying not to, but I do want to point something out to you. Because I don't know if you're aware that in your language you're always distancing yourself.
1: That is really interesting. It's funny. I, I guess I feel like I don't because I talk about what I'm experiencing, but somehow my language doesn't I don't yeah what's an example of that or I don't know if you can think of one god I love you I'll tell you what I always do is I don't
0: refer to my body as mine I always refer to it in third person my Mm -hmm. cousin called me out on that the other day and I was like I do that I call it an (laughs) it I get that you know when you're talking about the community you don't talk about yourself in that community a lot of times what you'll do is you you say, the community. This is what I'm doing for the community. But there's a lot of you that's still trying to see yourself outside of the community, but being an advocate for the community. You know, like, I try to be a very good advocate for trans, but I'm not part of that community, except that I want to advocate as hard as I can for it. A lot of language I use in talking about trans advocacy, I kind of hear and like the way you phrase things with chronic illness and disability. And the other reason that it hits me is because I know I talked the same way when I was still working full time. And I was trying really hard to, to not be a part like I was trying to do a whole smoke and mirrors. I'm not that sick. I'm not that disabled, but I want to work hard for those who are without acknowledging that I was well on my way and also very, very deep in, but I wasn't ready to acknowledge that yet. And I wonder if how much your fear is because you're scared that once you acknowledge where you're at, that you will have to change things, that your goals
1: will have to shift. Yeah, I I think you're right. I think I'm having like a shattering glass moment here. I didn't realize that I did that or didn't do that rather. And I'm not, but at the same time, I'm not surprised because I think I've told you that I have a really hard time identifying as a spoonie, and I'm aware that that's just like a slang term, you know, and and I don't have to identify with that exactly. But spoonie culture, a lot of it is memes, <laughs> not all, a lot of it is memes, and they are amazing. They are amazing, right? Like it's all this language around you know i can't do this and it's ridiculous isn't that funny and i it's funny cuz i resonate with a lot of them a lot of them, like yeah i know exactly what that meme is talking about or that person's talking about and then at the same time i'm not a snarky person like the wonderful monica most of the time what what yes <laughs> so then i also feel like it's a false identity if i say i'm a spoonie because i'm not i am more of a well I guess here we go like the positive person and I don't focus on my negatives. yeah this is all roundabout way of I guess with everything we've been talking about it's clear that I'm in a bit of limbo with everything that's hard identity limbo
0: but I mean look at all of the interviews we've done almost everyone will bring up this is harder for me than I feel like it would have been if there was something definite like I have been like gotten in trouble because I said like there are times I wish it was just a car accident. Like if it was just something that was definite, like there was just a, you were in a car accident. Now you're in a wheelchair. This is your life. This is what you can expect. This is the trajectory. And now you can go be a badass because you know where the fence line is. Like if, you, if you're if you like one of those like super awesome people that everyone goes, What's your excuse? And you see the person in the wheelchair in the gym, like pulling, doing pull-ups with their chair and like going out and being like in the skateboarding rink, like with their wheelchair doing things. Cause you know, you know, the parameters. Chronic illness is squidgy. There's no parameters. There's no... Like you want to be extraordinary. I I almost laughed because I'm like that's exactly something I I get. I feel that, and it's like the scariest thing to think I'm a middle-aged woman now. I don't know if I'm ever going to do that. Like I never am going to hit that bar. And I I I understand the need for it, but it's when you acknowledge the chronic illness, which doesn't give you the parameters, so you can be extraordinary even in the chronic illness
1: disability parameters. It, it gets it gets scary. But it what makes me mad about even having that conversation out loud is that I know otherwise. Like, yeah, I want, like, and I'm talking not about active desires. I just know that like that voice in the back of my head wanted me to be extraordinary. Right. It wasn't like I was telling people like, that's my goal in life. It's just like, I figured out the little voice and what it was saying. (laughs) Yeah. I figured out it was being that person. And
0: I mean you weren't the politician like in that that show i'm freaking loving that show by the way but what no what? No, no you haven't seen it oh my god please go watch this so good but yeah his whole thing is i'm gonna be president of the united states like i'm gonna be extraordinary That's i know like, what you like, talking like,
1: about yeah because yeah, i saw yeah, it. i i um, get that you are not that person but yeah, yeah. i feel like the drive i didn't realize that was happening but it was a- anyways in the back of everything like motivating me to do all these crazy things that really i just wasn't ready for and that's fine it's just like i pretended i was yeah. you know like starting a health tech company with no money and no one to help me. i mean i decided i was going to be a
0: ballerina at 13 and started working three times a day to get to becoming a professional ballerina and then yeah, i was going to be the best yeah and then I was going to be a professional writer, and then I was going to be the best teacher ever, and then I was going to be the best mother. Spoiler. But no, like, there's there's this drive for some of us that we're going to be extraordinary, and I think that with ableism, we really decide that our
1: bodies are that vehicle to becoming extraordinary. Yeah, and so I guess what I was getting at is that it's not the case. You can absolutely be, first of all, I'm not saying one should strive to be extraordinary necessarily, but you definitely can be, it's just a a lot harder, but extraordinary human aside, I can be, I want to say I could be anything I want. That's not, it's not really what I mean. It's, I can, there are things that I will love that I will always be capable of doing. It's just might not be what I thought and I will definitely have the ability to impact others like me or not like me. I just have to work within the boundaries of my illness as they progress. Right. (laughs) Right?
0: So saying we've, you and I have talked about a lot, which is kind of changing the expectation and the language. So if you're going to say, I need to be extraordinary being a mountain climber, i you're be the best mountain climber ever. You've really limited, oh, you know, a lot of things, physically, emotionally, everything. If you've, you've decided that's the one and only way you're going to live an extraordinary life. If you define an extraordinary life as a life filled with purpose, that becomes very different. Or like if you focus on, oh my God, my words are so bad. Um, but if you're focused on, on ideals instead of specifics, I want to live a life of compassion. I want to live a life of purpose. That becomes something that you can mold,
1: yeah, I like that that's definitely a much better way to go, also because even if you have all these physical older. Abilities in the older you know, have <laughs> you know, all the physical abilities in the world, life just doesn't end up always being what you think it's going to be you you aren't able to do what you uh, think you're able to do, and again, the physical abilities aside you just don 't know what life's going to hand you, you can work towards it, but living your life within a sort of context of how you want to be. Yeah, that That is definitely, that's great advice, Monica. Oh, good. That was clever. That's nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, I definitely want to live a life of purpose, of giving. I, I want to lift other people up. And again, it doesn't need to be necessarily through positivity, even though positivity seems like it'd be lifting up, but it could be through comfort, you know, community, just feeling heard, feeling like there are options. It's a...
0: So when you're talking about positivity and you're talking about being extraordinary, it's the same thing that I I was trying to say, and I think I said it badly, but it's the same thing both things can be a very good thing and they can be very motivating they can also turn around and limit you and they can bite you and they can they can they can get fetid and and like anything can if it gets fetid can become a negative
1: who the hell is in my back
0: here oh my mother's here that's cute um no one texted me to tell me they were coming over uh but my mother is here um I was where my dog was going insane. But like literally anything, if it's if you deny it and you don't look at it and you don't examine it and hold it, can get ugly. So unrequited love can be a beautiful thing. It can be you know a little maudlin. It can spurn on great works of art, or you can become terrifying. Anything that gets stuck can get rotted. So optimism, when stuck, can become self loathing. Same with like this idea of of, uh, of extraordinary if you don't reach a very limited idea of what that extraordinary is going to be that can turn on you i hope that made sense i'm so sorry i'm like i am like six hours into my day and my brain's going i swear i'm smart i swear oh you're you're honestly doing a fabulous job you feel you're like my life coach seriously like the job i wanted was to be a therapist i wanted to be a therapist
1: I think you'd make certain people very happy as a therapist,
0: <laughs> or I would make certain people very, very <laughs> wounded. But
1: could be everyone's cup of tea. But you would definitely—you'd be definitely. You think? Maybe a lot of the people <laughs> listening to the podcast. Uh. Uh, we, we've heard
0: you. Don't worry. We we read the reviews. I, I'm fully aware of what some of you think of me. I'm all good.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, this has been really helpful. Truly. I mean. <laughs> I'm not just I saying so, that. I don't. I'm sorry, I'm so that.
0: like random. Like I, I hope I helped. I, I probably talked more than I listened, and I'm sorry for that.
1: Well, I, I'm really navigating what my humanity looks like. What does it mean when I'm being human? When I'm being real with myself, and when does it look like being motivated and trying new things and looking at the positive side of opportunities and then the coming to terms with my realities facing not even facing fears just acknowledging fears basking in them if need be preparing for them all the stuff that sucks it's and every you know the good the bad and the ugly and everything in between
0: I mean that's life right like
1: yeah and it's beautiful literally my tattoo is about that Actually. This is why I say, like, I might sound bubbly and positive, but really, I promise you, I'm I'm definitely a roller coaster of a human. <laughs> my 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 tattoo. Have you? We've never met in person, so you've never seen this, but I have yeah. a little teeny tiny tattoo, teeny tiny, the three dots, and they represent a few things. But the number one message that I get when I look down at them is fall in love with your life. Oh. And to me, the broader message there is life has its ups and downs and love every part of it that's beautiful
0: and it makes that's me really beautiful so you know i have a pathological like allergy to self-help books like i literally hate them just off the cuff hate you have to work to get me to read one and i've read two that i love and i would love for you to give these two a try i read um there's nothing wrong with you. Hmm. And that was one of my favorite books ever. It was recommended to me like by so many angles, but I think it, it's one that might really speak to you where you are right now. And it's uh, kind of about like radical self-love that there's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with where you are in your journey. It, it's a beautiful book and it's short, which is another thing I really appreciate it.
1: <laughs> All right
0: there's nothing wrong with you. It's, it's one of my favorite books of all time. And I don't even own a copy because I keep giving it to people. So I, I need to just order a case of it. This is the one book I gift all the time. The other book is like to my tattoo, um, which I got, it says muchness and it's from the Alice in Wonderland movie, the first one. And it was the whole thing of, but you lost your muchness and this idea of like when we're children, we're so purely ourselves. And around like, nine or ten we start really getting railroaded into figuring out what our cage is going to be what 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 we're going to decide to lock ourselves into and i'm reading a book right now that got recommended by eight different people i was not going to read this book There's was like there's no way i'm touching this and i'm loving it it's called untamed and i am yeah it's it's incredible but i i think those are, are probably the only two self-help books i will read but Just from like what you're dealing with right now, I think that 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 would be probably my my best advice is to read read those, especially though there's nothing wrong with you. It's it's what I feel like I'm always like yelling at you. It's like you are so amazing, you are so wonderful, you are such a fantastic human. I'm grateful to have as a friend, and you're always like, I always feel like you don't give yourself enough credit for like who you are and the the person you are, and you're always pushing yourself, which is cool. There's nothing wrong with pushing yourself, but I've always worried about you. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. I mean, Jewish mom, so I'm always gonna worry about you. Like that's just you get into my stratosphere, and the Jewish mom is gonna kick in, and I'm gonna feed you, and I'm gonna worry about you. That's just <laughs> nothing I can do. It's it's in my genetics. Yep, I understand that very well. And
1: yeah. I am <laughs>
0: just wait, I swear, if you end up having babies, you're going to be like, oh my God, it's genetic. It literally is. Just like yeah. <laughs> all of this. <laughs> I'm not wondering if
1: that's how I'm going to be. I will be a Jewish yeah. through and through. I just hope yeah. that children don't resent me for it and that they don't mind too much love. Because it's not—it's never changed, in my opinion.
0: <laughs> <not good>
1: there. <laughs> I, mean, I just need like to make it clear, one thing quickly, clear that love and control right word yeah love and control but also like what's what's the word i'm thinking of just like um giving in or whatever is not what i mean i think you can be very you can be oh, you okay there or sure, why not
0: <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Oh. i mean i have been throwing up all for like five days i am so so done i made the radical decision to try to eat a dinner last night it
1: went well mm. yeah anyway so the difference between pushover and love yeah i was just saying like i don't i think loving someone anyone, it's not even just children i think showing love doesn't necessarily need an end but knowing what You have to have the boundaries around it like you don't want to be a pushover uh you don't want you have to have rules you have to have standards you have to have all these things but showing love i don't really know if that that has any bounds and that's something i found with my parents at least i'm not sure if that's true in every scenario but somehow they were really great at laying down some very clear black and white rules in my life did not just even if they gave us things, we had to, I would write proposals for certain things I wanted. Like, you know, it was never, that that was actually a really great tactic. I love that. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes, no matter how much I basically went to court with them on something, if they just were like, no, you, you can't do or have that, they're like, that's my rule, and that's the way it's going to be. But they never showed me too much love. And yeah. I, like, yeah. Yeah.
0: And the thing I'll tell you is, like, as we're talking about fears and self-acceptance and self-loathing, that is something that you're going to need to deal with. Because if you don't deal with it now, I promise you, your children will show you the most terrifying mirror you've ever seen. Like, kids... Everything that you have not emotionally dealt with, your child will bring to you and lay at your floor like a cat bringing you a dead rat. Like they will lay all of your emotional shit you have not handled yet on your floor at your feet and you will have to deal with it then. Like it's it's been, if you want to look at the positive way, it's some of the most intense therapy I've ever been through is raising kids and having to deal with stuff that I wasn't ready to touch.
1: Goody. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. So I'm just saying like the the stuff you're, you're dealing with now, the work you're doing now, being, becoming a parent or not, isn't the point. It's, it's just that becoming a parent is a short, short circuit way to dealing with all the bullshit you don't want to look at in yourself. That's, that's the quick way to it, but you're doing the work now. So parenting or not, you're doing really important work on yourself and like asking the questions of who you want to be what's serving you and what's no longer serving you and that's that's really important because sometimes the things that motivate us and really helped us through our lives can turn around and bite us and then
1: sometimes you have to let go of them for a while or change tactic.
0: thank you mama monica not mama big sister i'm not that much older than you
1: <laughs> Mama not good <laughs> mm-hmm. no.
0: no no it doesn't no i've got to i'm good i'm all done all right.
1: Big, I was with big sister.
0: There you go. Ah, that works. It's actually age appropriate too.
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, you go hang out with your mama since apparently she's home. Apparently. <laughs> apparently, apparently. Who is walking around back there? And I got a skedaddle anyway, but thank you so much. This was exactly what I needed.
0: I hope I helped and didn't hurt. And I'll try to listen more next time. I promise.
1: You were uh, spot on, baby. All
0: right. Well, I love you.
1: Love you too. Thanks for listening to another episode. If you haven't already, please leave us a review. Your feedback means the world to us. As always, links to the show notes will be on invisiblenotbroken.com, where you can also subscribe to our community updates
0: love listening to the show one of the nicest things you can do is become a patron we do this all out of pocket so support is always welcome and very appreciated if that's just not in the cards we totally understand and the kindest thing you can do is to share the episode with your community online and in person friends and family we also have swag t-shirt stickers so if you head over to invisiblenotbroken.com you can find our patreon and great ways to buy some of the, the neat swag and show your scooty drive Spoony Pride. So be kind. Be gentle. Be a badass.